The reading for today comes from the 20th chapter of John, beginning at the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was among them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed me because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Bob, for being here to read today. Let's pray. God, you promise when your story is told that your spirit will come. We doubt it. We question it. We wonder if it's true. So we come today and trust that it is true. Send your spirit within us, upon us. Hold us, God, and send us out. Amen. John could have ended this story at verse 23. It would have been a fine story of the resurrected Jesus coming to the disciples as they hide in fear, and then in that moment, breathing into them the Holy Spirit. And we could have just assumed that all the disciples were there that day to receive this promise and call from Jesus. But John must have felt that leaving the story there would miss a key part of resurrection because not everyone was there that day. Thomas had to hear from the other disciples that they had seen the Lord. And hearing about it wasn't enough. 
So Thomas had the guts to demand that he too be a part of the experience of seeing firsthand the crucified and risen Jesus. And somehow, Jesus knew as well that something was incomplete. Someone was missing. Because he showed up again, this time Thomas was there to see for himself that resurrection did not erase the humanness of Jesus. The marks of death remained on the body of the one who had personally called Thomas and the others from the beginning, who had fed, healed, and taught, going out to encounter regular people and places to proclaim that God had come for them. And so, every year, this is the gospel story, the Sunday after Easter. I don't think the resurrection story is finished without its telling. I remember July 2016, Bishop Ann Svenningson came to Mount Olivet. A large group gathered in the fireside room. She wanted to get to know us, to hear about our mission in this little corner of Plymouth, where we have experienced God, where we were feeling called, and what was important as we looked to call a new associate pastor. She then asked us to be open to all candidates. She was not vague in the language she used. She said, I want you to be open to all candidates, regardless of gender, age, race, or sexual orientation. And I'm sure she gives the same spiel to every church she visits. And she personally visits every one of the 150-plus churches in the Minneapolis Area Synod when they begin to call a new pastor. And I'm sure she says this because it's easier for a church to decide in advance what kind of leader it thinks it needs, instead of allowing the Spirit of God to breathe into a call process like the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into the disciples in the story we hear today from the Gospel of John. Since the very beginning, the church has put requirements on who was worthy enough to lead the church for some reason feeling like they had to protect Jesus. This has been the central debate of many fights and rifts, deep hurt and why people have left the church and social statements created. The church seems to forget about the Holy Spirit who Jesus in this gospel refers to as the advocate 
is the one who's called alongside of us as we make our way. The bishop's comments did not simply drop away as formality at that meeting. Leaders at Mount Olivet noted how important it was to publicly name that we needed to be open to all candidates. And so we wrote and we sent a letter even before any resumes were received. The letter stated this, we are focused on the ability of the candidates to fulfill the needs of our church, and thus we have no restrictions or preferences other than finding the best fit for Mount Olivet. Mount Olivet is looking for a pastor who is called to our community and brings the gifts of preaching and worship leading, teaching and building relationships within Mount Olivet as well as our broader community. We seek a leader who has a heart for justice and advocacy to lead our existing relationships and look for new ones with our many community partners. That letter publicly named the trust that we placed on the Holy Spirit rather than ourselves to connect this church with its next pastor a pastor who would be called to lead here. And I think that letter also reminded us that not knowing what or who comes next is a part of this life of faith. And so, Joel, it wasn't long before your resume rose to the top of the pile and the discernment began for you and for Mount Olivet And I remember the conversation we had knowing that you would be the first LGBTQ pastor called at this church. And you said to me, and you wrote to the community, that your life and call to be a pastor bears a fresh witness to the strong and inclusive love of God that reaches out in welcome to each of us exactly as we are. And so today, and for the week ahead, we celebrate the abundance of your call at Mount Olivet over these last four and a half years. And we know that the stories contained in these years are now a part of our unfolding story And without a doubt, Pastor Joel, we have seen in every way how you are so called to be a pastor. As you have grown, we have grown, and we are overjoyed that this calling in its official form began at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church in Plymouth. Your mom shared with me, Pastor Joel, that when you were only two, your grandma said, Kay, Joel is either going to be a politician or a pastor. (laughs) Even that young, your grandma noticed your interest in others and your boundless communication skills emerging. There was no overlooking that you were called and destined to share your unique gifts tangibly and specifically 
to build community. Now, we tend to connect people who are like this, and I'm sure, Pastor Joel, people have seen our commonality and figured this is why we have become a strong, sometimes wily, pastoral team. But actually, it has been our differences of all sorts that have brought texture and expansive leadership to our shared call here at Mount Olivet. You are a millennial, and I am a Gen X. You're married to Ryan, and I'm married to Randy. You received your Master of Divinity from Yale Divinity School, and mine came from Luther Seminary. You and Ryan are double income, no kids. And Randy and I are parents to middle and high schoolers. You solve advanced crossword puzzles and I craft fresh puns. You remember lines of scripture and hymns and I remember names. You think deeply, I feel deeply. And even within areas of differences, we are both aware that we share the privilege of being white and we continue to recognize that the church and the world still has so far to go to celebrate, not minimize the differences and to make a way for all who are called to lead and serve. Pastor Joel, when I think about your call here at Mount Olivet, there are three specific stories that stand out to me. The first is me, you, and Angela meet regularly to plan worship and especially the seasons of the church. The coming back in fall, Advent, Epiphany, Lent, and Easter. And usually these meetings happen over cold cans of LaCroix and a bag of pistachios. And we rack our brains to find a theme that speaks to who we are here at Mount Olivet and where God is calling us in that time. And then we pick scripture and music and we write prayers and plan for ways that the community can find meaning in worship and other opportunities. And it is you always, Pastor Joel, who offers to write the liturgy so that the prayers, the confession, and the blessing connect all of this together. And it takes a lot of time, and it requires way too many reply-all emails to bring this together, and it's exhausting work, and we wonder if it's worth the time. Will anyone even notice? And you are always the one to bring me back when it feels like too much. And you say, Beth, this matters. It was a Wednesday night a few years ago, and you were teaching 7th and 8th grade confirmation, and the kids were scattered here in the sanctuary, and all of us were tired and antsy from a full day of work or a full day of school. And you stood in front of that baptismal font 
And you talked about the identity we receive at baptism, a God who calls us just the way we are, even when the world keeps telling us that we're not enough or we should be something or someone else. And then you tied it all together with lyrics to a Taylor Swift song. And the restlessness in the room immediately stopped and you could hear a pin drop because you made accessible the meaning of baptism in a way that kids could understand. And I have to say, for me too. And lastly, it was your wedding day. You and Ryan had so generously invited Mount Olivet to your wedding ceremony at Westminster downtown. It was your big day, and you had included the church where you were serving. And I remembered stepping up to read one of the scriptures in that high lectern and lifting my head to look out. And I could see from that high point all the seating sections of that huge sanctuary, and I noticed that one whole section was filled with Monolovit people. And every face was glowing with pride and joy. And even without words, I could read their minds. We get to be here. We wouldn't miss this for the world. And it was this wide extension of community. And it was a glimpse of the kingdom of God that started with an invitation and ended with an abundant response. You see, you have shown us, Pastor Joel, what it means to be called and to proclaim that each of us is called in all the fullness of who we are. And the different ways is a gift we receive from each other. And that's what it means to be community. There's plenty of fear right now. We tend always to see the scarcity rather than the abundance. And I know I forget to trust. And I forget that I don't hold all of this on my own. And that is why we gather, whether it's in person or online or back and forth, to hear these stories that take us from unbelieving to believing and around again, because resurrection finds us when we are unsure of the next step, not knowing what comes next. And we see, like Thomas, that Jesus never leaves the humanness of our bodies or the woundedness that we both cause and hold. And the presence of God continues to come in the dailiness of this life. This is the holy ground. When we embrace the differences, when we look around to say who is here and who is not. And to know in all of the foolishness, imperfections and missteps, we are each called, and we need all these varied calls as we make our way. And God's vision 
is to share all of this together. That is where community is formed and abundant life is found. Emily Dickinson wrote, not knowing when the dawn will come, I open every door. Pastor Joel, thank you for opening doors so we could see the dawn. And keep opening doors as you walk from here to your new call in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, to receive the beautiful calls of Zion Lutheran Church. Mount Olivet will keep opening doors as well. And even when the door seems shut, resurrection will still find us to breathe life again, to call us forth. Amen.